Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, the show dedicated to the private investor, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. We want to show you how to cross the divide from residential investing over to commercial property investing. Through interviews, tips and lessons learned, we share experiences of investing and give you the inspiration, knowledge and confidence to enjoy this great cash flowing strategy. So let's get started. Welcome back to the CPI podcast. Thank you for joining me. As always, it's great to be speaking to you. I want to start by saying thank you to the amazing listeners who've been posting on social media about the impact some of our recent interviews have been having. There are too many to thank individually, but you know who you are. I really appreciate it. And we've passed on the messages back to our guests. I have been questioning whether I encourage some specific comments, which I have not. They are all genuine. It's fantastic to be able to give that feedback to our guests. If you've been gaining value from the podcast and you haven't left any reviews, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes or your favourite platform. It makes such a difference. And if you have a specific episode that you really liked, then mention the episode or the guest and we'll gladly pass over your feedback. So let's get to today's guest. Mark Winship has been on the show before and he's been having some spectacular success with his apart hotel strategy. He was on episode 117 back in April, and at the time he was getting close to finishing a project and buying another, but he wasn't able to chat too much about the details at the time. So we got together again recently to find out how the first few months of trading have worked out and to speak about some new projects, including a deal purchase he's currently working through with another member of our CPI network. Don't forget you don't have to do all of this on your own. One of my main drivers for the podcast has been to build a community of private investors who are willing to support each other through coming to events and sharing experiences. This is an example of one deal that's come about due to being involved in the CPI network. A number of our members have been guests on the podcast and attend our events. Why don't you check out details in the show notes about the Get In The Swim membership and see how you can make this a team event rather than trying to do it all on your own. Or just plug in to Google www.cpi-network.co.uk for further details. We've actually got a full networking day on the 11th of January next year with presentations on SAS pensions in commercial property, member case studies, finance and how you can make 2023 your year for commercial investing. I'm really excited about that event. It's going to be awesome. But let's listen in to this really impressive update from Mark about his apart hotel developments. Welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor podcast. Um, I've got a great pleasure of bringing Mark back on the show. Welcome back, Mark. Thanks, Jerry. Always a pleasure. How are you doing? I'm really good, thanks. It's great to have you yeah. back on. And, and just to refresh our listeners' minds, last time we were talking about your apart hotel project, the Madison, right. we were um, discussing, really, you were just getting to kind of opening stage. Yeah. Now you've had it open. The whole life cycle of that project's worked its way through. I just thought it'd be fantastic to come back and revisit that one to finish off the story. But there are a few other things going on too, aren't there, which I'm sure we'll touch on. There are. Yeah, we've got a few other plates spinning. Yeah, uh, (laughs) some exciting stuff going on that sort of, yeah, picked up off the back of that. So, um, yeah, no, happy to talk about that. That's fantastic. So why, why don't we just do a quick review of this project? Yeah, And then let's talk about um, how bookings are going and also about the refinance, which is the, the kind of the the end game, isn't it? So let, let's just remind people of the project itself, Mark, and how it came about. Yeah, so um, we're going back to August 2021, um, where we, so by that point, we'd um, established um, 
a decent sized portfolio of primarily service departments, but multi-unit blocks as well. Um, and we had a holiday let, a very successful holiday let operating down on the south coast. And we've been thinking for a while that um, a scaled up version of that strategy, so so a, a hotel or an apart hotel project would be on our roadmap. Um, and in August of 2021, we, um, we sourced uh, a nine bedroom guest house with quite extensive owner's accommodation, which is a key, a key piece in the puzzle. Um, and um, we spent the next 10, 11 months converting that into a 17 unit apart hotel and I think when we caught up last I think it would have been around April time wouldn't it so yeah I'm, yeah I'm just I'm just checking there's episode 117 for those that want to yeah. knit back and have a listen to that so we were probably at the stage of sort of just finishing off uh snagging furnishing staging that that, yeah. that kind of stage around then we actually launched as in open to guests on the 1st of August so we're still very early days but um but it's been a really interesting as you say it's been really interesting to see the full cycle of that project go through you know because obviously it was new territory for us it was it was our biggest project to date um and you know we've got a great power team that we work closely with who were able to guide us on how things like the refinance were likely to be considered by the lenders but until you've gone through that process and you've got you know you've, you've actually got evidence of that money in the bank if you like then um then it's it's all still a little bit of a hypothetical exercise sure yeah Let, we'll come on to that in a minute let's just talk quickly about bookings so you opened yeah. um when did you say was it august did you say sorry first of august it was a bit staggered august. through august we had a couple yeah. of uh units that um we didn't launch till halfway through the month so um i get our first full month of bookings i guess was september yeah okay so we missed the summer yeah bit, but yeah. let's just just talk quickly about who is your target market who yeah, are the customers so, I'll t- so 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 the apart hotels based in southampton and the I guess the target market and the target need, uh, or sorry, the market need that we identified was around. So you think South Coast, um, you think maybe leisure stays. Um, there's a big, um, cru- all the cruise ships coming into Southampton, yeah. and and you think that would be a logical market for us. But actually, you know, guest houses and um, bed and breakfast there there's no shortage of short stay accommodation in Southampton. In fact, there's whole streets of it. Um, so it wasn't a case of identifying somewhere where, you know, we were pioneering as it were, but our, the niche that we were looking to occupy was in terms of standard and quality and also introducing amenities that would make us attractive to longer stays. Yeah. So we were looking very much at working stays, business stays linked to the airport um, which recently has had permission to extend the runway to allow long haul flights. Um, Southampton, in, in in general, was one of uh, Rishi Sunak's free ports. So, you know, there's quite a bit of com- commercial investment going on in the area. We're close to two hospitals, a university. Um, and it's actually a market that we're, we're relatively familiar with in that sense. So our service department portfolio in the Midlands, near East Midlands Airport, sort of taps into a very similar demographic. But being clear on that was key because obviously that influences decisions you make pretty much from day one um, in terms of the design, the layout, what sort of amenities you're introducing, making sure you've got cooking facilities in all of the units, you've got access to washing facilities, etc. These are all the things that are going to position you in the market for longer stays. So how has that transpired? Has it all been hen bookings? <laughs> no, how's that transpired in terms of the customer now that have been coming in? What's your kind of average length of stay, albeit over a short period of time that it's been open? Yeah, I mean, it's early days, so we're not sort of counting our chickens yet. But it it, it certainly seems that the market that we... Um, we we assumed and planned uh, you know was was in existence is 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 there and there is that there is a demand for the product that we're offering in yeah, fact yeah. It, to be totally honest it's it's gone to another level it's totally surprised us actually sort of how much demand there is for those longer stays in the area so i don't have the exact data on length of stay but just going anecdotally on the last few months i would say our average length of stay bearing in mind our minimum night stays two is probably four or five weeks wow it's probably our average 
So, you know, that's that's obviously been very, you know, reassuring, but it's actually, yeah, it's actually been much, much higher than we'd originally anticipated, which is obviously great news. And, and what about overall occupancy then, Mark? So we, so if I take the first full month, so if we look at September to, to date, so where we are yeah. halfway through November now, so during that period, we've had an average of 87% occupancy. Wow. which is phenomenal um during that period we've generated 106,000 in revenue which works out at an average of just over 42k per month and how's that in comparison to your base numbers that you were working off it's certainly higher i mean we obviously <laughs> we, we we obviously put some punchy numbers through to the uh, the valuer when the valuer came round um, but it's actually even bearing in mind they knocked us down on our forecast a little bit. It's actually exceeded our original optimistic forecast. So we're probably netting. I mean, some of the we are still early days, so some of the costs are still being ironed out. We're still seeing thing, you know, how utilities are playing out and things like that, which we'll probably talk about later. But we're, we we would be looking, I think, during and again, it's very early days, but equally it's shoulder season. So you know, we've got. We've got sort of tentative reason to be excited about how the rest of the year might play out, given that November in particular is traditionally a very slow month for our, uh, you know, for our units. So we're, we're probably looking at, well, we have averaged 25 to 27K net per month so far since we launched, which is phenomenal, really. Um, and more importantly, it just um, it, it just sort of like uh, affirms that the, the kind of decisions you've made and, and and you know it's reassuring to see that that target market does exist i mean we've got some it's not quite where we want it to be not necessarily financially but by um obviously you know we start off and we have promotional rates and we're not quite at the full full rate that we want to be charging and that landed us temporarily in a bit of a student market funnily enough so we had some mature students um, who didn't want to be in the melee of the, the, the sort of university campus area, um, foreign mature students who were just looking for studios for a few weeks. So I think that has slightly sort of skewed the length of stay to a certain extent. Having said that, now that we are um, sort of, you know, step by step kind of probably pricing them out of the market a little bit we still seem to be getting these longer stays coming in and we've got some really good corporate contracts through um, press interest that was generated when we launched and, and, and things like that. So yeah. Lo- Let me ask you a question. Have you heard of SAS pensions? They're a fantastic tool for business owners to wrap a commercial property up in a tax-free bubble. SAS can work particularly well with the CMO strategy to generate money both inside and outside of your pension. It goes without saying I'm not a SAS expert, but let me introduce you to someone that is. Bryn Walker has been advising on SaaS pensions for many years and has been a long-term supporter of the CPI network. SaaS and commercial property work incredibly well together, but there are many nuances, and Bryn will make sure you don't stray from the right path. Look in the show notes for the partner link and book up a SaaS discovery call with Bryn. Lots of reasons to be optimistic, which is good. Fantastic. Looking forward, um, how, how far do your bookings go forward before they, they let they drop off? Yeah, you know, we still sort of advance. I think from experience, it always takes a while to like entrench yourself in an area and to, um, you know, to really sort of, you know, embed yourself. So we are still quite dependent on the OTAs for bo- bookings at the moment. So a lot have come through Airbnb and in an increasing amount through booking.com. But already we're starting to see, you know, our, our team are doing a fantastic job in converting those bookings into more direct bookings and repeat bookings. And we're starting to get evidence of word of mouth spreading, that sort of thing. So that's where our booking window will start to increase. But at the moment, you know, we're we're, we're covering costs in December, um, but we've not got a great, great deal, you know, sort of into the new year as yet. OK, OK. Right. So excellent numbers. Let's yeah. talk about the crunch point, which is right. How do we pay off, sort out our finance? And maybe we should just quickly touch on that, Mark, shall we? Yeah. Uh, um, private finance is very much part of what you do. Um, yeah. on, on this project, how many people were involved in private finance? <laughs> we, uh, we had, um, I think last count was 24 private investors in this project. Yeah. Because um, for context, and, and this is what um, 
sort of blows my mind really when you look at the the numbers on paper and how how they all interact with each other um, we didn't put a penny of our own money into the deal so essentially we raised the deposit through private finance and then we used development finance in order to fund the rest of the purchase and the development work so clearly you know we had some some fairly chunky cost of money um, accruing during the course of the project that needed to be paid off by the refinance yeah Okay, so let's talk about the refinance. Um, part of the, the big part of that, of course, is valuation. So yeah. should we should we go through that first? What, yeah. what you had well, a I mean, the whole process. The whole process was um, particularly. Um, I mean, it's a grey area, anyway, as you'll know, Jerry, in terms of how lenders choose to value uh, a commercial proposition. Um, that there, there's no sort of there's nothing set in stone. It really does come down to an individual lender and an individual uh, valuer's appetite for what you're doing and actually their understanding of what you're doing. Um, so we found that we had to work surprisingly hard given that we, we were using a valuer that is well versed in kind of business valuations. We had to work very hard to help them understand our model, in particular how it differed from a traditional guest house hotel offering because obviously what we've been able to do by converting all of that extensive owners accommodation and ancillary space into more uh, income generating space is we strip out most of the cost centers of you know that would traditionally be involved in, in staffing the facility etc and they found that quite hard to get their heads around um, and, and to understand our, our sort of projections off the back of that and um, the valuation itself took just over four hours um in in which we you know we went through a full business plan and um and yeah we we really did find ourselves starting back at square one in um making sure that the valuer understood the basic principles of service accommodation and short stay and how it works so so, that- so can you remember what number of valuation types he was asked to give was there just one or was he asked to give a bricks and mortar and various other options to the bank um there was just one so uh, in terms of what he was asked to produce he did yeah. end up producing uh he also gave a um what's called a 90 day valuation yeah. um as part of the the final report which uh threw us a little bit of a curveball at the last minute um when our lender decided that they were going to lend based on the 90 day valuation rather than on the commercial valuation yeah. um, which was uh was a, a slightly um yeah stressful 24 hours but um our broker did a great job at putting it back out to some other lenders that were interested and and we found a lender that was happy to take take a view on it and um and factor in the 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 commercial side as well so um so yeah it was just it it was a tense period while we waited for that report to come back because you know it really did rely on the the valuer sort of understanding and i guess buying into our model yeah, and for sure, your, your trading at that point was not a year. It, it was it, not. It was, yeah. it was. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it was nothing. <laughs> and 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 they they factored that that was a big part of their thinking. They factored that in. Um, what we were leveraging off the back of was the fact that um, our operating company has a trading uh, history yes. and has a track record within the industry and within a very similar market sector. So we were pushing that side of things very hard. Now, obviously, they they were they would and did factor that in, but 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 also they're not just going to take your word for it just because you say, well, I'm going to earn this from this property. You know, they don't have any um, hard evidence that 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 market exists or that you're going to be able to deliver on on what you've promised. So they did factor that in when it came to multipliers that they would use, you know, of our income. For example. Okay, so so they gave you that curveball. No, we're going to work off the ninety day, the far sale value. What you then did, or your broker did, was went out and found somebody else to finance it, which sounds yeah. simple, but I'm sure that took a little bit of time. What and how long did the process take once that new um, outfit was brought into the equation? It actually happened relatively quickly, but that's because we actually ended up um, getting terms from a lender who. Um, has funded a number of our projects up, up to this point. So uh, we were sort of up and running with those guys in terms of them understanding our model and they they could see the track record that we'd already established across the other units. Um, and, you know, they were 
they, they were already uh, across the line in terms of, in, at least in spirit, of wanting to get involved yeah. in the project. So we'd crossed that bridge and then it just came down to the, um, you know, just pulling together all of the underwriting and everything else, which, you know, is is, is always uh, an interesting process, particularly if you've had angel finance involved at any step in, in, in the process um, with, with the sort of anti-money laundering checks that the, the lenders and the lender solicitors are required to do. Um, so that took some mining out, but um, but relatively speaking, we, we turned that around pretty quickly, which was good. Yeah, that's getting a bit more onerous as well, isn't it? It's becoming mm-hmm. more more of a topic. Just 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 a quick question though. So this is a finance company you've worked with before. What? Why were they not in the picture before? Was their offer not? Yeah, their offer level? was competitive. Um, so they were in the picture, funnily enough, for the purchase um, uh, initially, but um, but their rate and their offer just uh, just wasn't competitive at the time. Um, and um, although, again, their, the interest rate was ever so slightly, well, actually, their interest rate was um, slightly higher than the uh, initial interest rate we were quoted by our original lender, but the original lender not only said they were now going to work off the 90-day valuation, but they also bumped up their interest rate by 1%. So suddenly that sort of, that just took them out of the running. Really, Everything changed, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, and, and in terms of the valuation, yeah. how did it sit with where you expected it to be, where you needed it to be? So we got a, pre, a pre-works valuation. So the, the development finance um, organization that funded the purchase and then the works obviously they do a, they do a post works valuation themselves just to forecast ahead to make sure that um you know they're satisfied that you're going to be able to repay the loan at the end of the the process and they actually valued it at 1.65 million yep. now as we were going through the project um and you know actually we had to we had to spec up the facility quite a lot as we went through responding to things like fire regulations, sound insulation, etc. So we ended up with a much higher spec property than we perhaps originally proposed. And um, so we we ended up sort of the, the valuation came in at 2.1 million, which we were uh, delighted with. Um, and um, it was it was fascinating to see how they'd come about that figure. Um, essentially, they, they they'd taken our business plan, they, they'd worked out what they call the fair maintainable operating profit, which is effectively EBITDA in in, in a sense, because yeah. you know the company only owns and operates that 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 property anyway. Um, and then they they'd uh, uh, applied a multiplier to that, so they looked at the average multiplier, commercial multiplier that was used in the area for hotels and and guest houses. Interestingly, they then deducted one point one off of that to reflect the fact that there were no accounts. Yeah. So that had an, an, an influence, um, obviously, on the on the end value. But but ultimately, yeah, they landed at 2.1 million, which was fantastic. And our net from that was 1.35 million, Brilliant. Uh, which was which was great. That's exactly where we needed to be. We, we were really keen to net 1.3. That means obviously we can clear the entirety of the development finance and we were able to um, pay off the vast majority of the angel um, uh, angel lenders. Um, and we were just left with one angel loan of 135k still in the deal, which we put onto a longer term deal. And we've negotiated a lower interest rate um, for that. But I think our our return on investment is over 100. percent We'll be able to pay that back within the year. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, so that revaluation came in, and they applied a multiple. Can you remember what that multiple was? Yeah, so they originally would have used a multiple of 9.5 but they deducted 1.1, so they used 8.4 in the end. Okay. Um, which also, yeah. it's sort of like, also is, is actually, we took that to be a positive because not only did it net pretty much what we needed to net at the time in order to repay our debts and to move forwards, but also it potentially opens the door for further revaluations in the future um, because obviously once we run it for 12 months, Therefore, hopefully we'll get the 9.5 valuation. Plus we are, they put, uh, they worked on a fair maintainable profit of 250K. Well, based on the numbers I gave you earlier, we're already on track for 300K. And that's without factoring in a potential uptick during the summer um, and everything else. So, you know, there is the potential to still potentially, if we wanted to pull out further funds, et cetera. 
Excellent. So that that multiple is based. I guess this is important for people to, to realise that is based on this being valued as a guest house hotel, which you mentioned earlier on, not on a residential building or a multi-let residential building. Um, and it's critical, isn't it? So in, in terms of the actual planning use, yeah, you, you didn't have to change anything. It was what it was, right? Yeah, and that's the beauty of the strategy. Um, so it was already a, a C1 hotel. Um, and so we've not um, we've not triggered any sort of material change of use. It's still a it's still a hotel. We've just converted some of the space that, that wasn't currently guest rooms. So we didn't have to go through any kind of planning use change on that front. Yeah. OK, I'd love to talk to you about loads of other stuff about the nitty gritty <laughs> of running that. But we, we covered a little bit of that before. <laughs> yeah. And and I really just want to just nudge forward a little bit now, Mark. And you at the time of that last podcast, you mentioned um, tantalizing at the end. There was a deal you were looking at, but you couldn't, so was, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't tell us <laughs> anything more about it. Um, but maybe you can now. And this was a slightly different, still in the same sphere, but a different different proposition. So maybe you can yeah. just run through what happened then. Yeah, just just it's it's, it's a, an interesting. Uh, it's in, really interesting to contrast with 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 the Madison actually, because it's very much it's a case of looking at a property through a slightly different lens, um, and and applying a slightly different strategy uh, to maximise you know to maximise the return. So. Um, we uh, purchased a, a guest house, um, not not so, so down the south coast in the New Forest, um, and we are going in the reverse direction. So we're actually turning this um, out of being a guest house, if you like, into being a large luxury holiday let for groups of people to share. So I don't know, extended families, groups of friends traveling together and wanting to meet up, that that sort of thing. So. Yeah, it was it was really interesting because we'd actually we'd actually looked at this property when we were looking for the Madison. So um, it had been on the market well uh, at least a year. We we know that for a fact because we were obviously looking at it when we were we were in the market for the Madison. Um, I suspect uh, a fair amount longer than that. And at the time, we were very much tunnel vision. We wanted to do an apart hotel. We wanted to squeeze, you know kitchens into every room etc you know that well that was the that was our mission at the time we were we were we were on a mission to do that um and this 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 property just didn't work it was although they were running it as a guest house it was just it was laid out like a very large house um you know some some nicely proportioned ensuite bedrooms and then all the owner had done had kind of like um sectioned off some of the ground floor for them you know and and created a, a downstairs bedroom and they used the kitchen and you know they lived on site essentially um but we're off the back of the success of our holiday let um our other holiday let which is on a smaller scale but kind of started to tap into a similar market like um you know, three or four couples getting together for a holiday or extended families where they couldn't bring together everybody within their own home, um, using it as a way to get together as a family. Um, you know, buoyed boy, by that and buoyed by the numbers on that, we decided that we would like to, to look at a scaled up version of that. And we decided to revisit um, some of the, the, the sort of stock that we looked at up to that point. And for all the reasons that we'd ruled out this one, um, completely for the for the previous strategy if you like it just jumped out of the page is absolutely ideal now that we've just changed our lens a little bit so it's, I, I just find that fascinating that the same property yeah. can go from being absolutely not a deal to a fantastic deal depending on how you decide to look at it and what you're able to turn it into so yeah so we are um we are i guess 75 percent of the way through the, the the refurbishment as always it's turned into a much bigger project than we anticipated um i do have a slight habit of being overly optimistic with um with the work or lack of work involved in converting these things but this has been very much back to brick um pretty much a re a replumb uh, a rewire uh, throughout um and um yeah it's been it's been a full on full on project but it's um you were at that stage now we've kind of crested the wave and we're starting to put it back together again, um, hoping to launch around January time. But yeah, the, that's the market we're looking to tap into is, is big, big groups of people. This will sleep up to 14 guests. Tend to um, be probably shorter, shorter term, not five weeks. Term, very much leisure. Absolutely. <laughs> very much leisure stays, week stays in, in anything that involves a school holiday and then weekends. But the, again, the beauty of this particular variation of the 
serviced accommodation strategy is that it's perfectly possible to to charge a nightly rate that is fantastic value to the guests when they're sharing as a large group when they divvy up the cost amongst yeah. whatever it might be four or five couples etc but add that together that re that represents a fantastic nightly yes. rate for yourself and it means that our the occupancy that we forecast to break even at is 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 pretty low it's going to be around sort of 30 30 35 percent occupancy will break even um which means that in those you know that the depths of winter when you're only filling weekends because it's difficult to get people to to, to book leisure stays midweek you know during school time um you're still comfortably netting a decent amount of money and then anything with a school holiday in it you know it really sort of takes off it makes a big difference how have you approached planning with that one because it was sitting there as a guest house yeah what's it sitting as now so uh yeah it's a really interesting story because during during the conveyancing process there was an application in with the planners um submitted by somebody else that was looking to purchase the property right. um to convert it to c3 and we had a conversation with the um seller's solicitors to you know to to at least get a verbal commitment from them that if that planning application were to be successful during the period in which we were buying it they weren't going to pull the rug out from under us because that could potentially mean that in that particular area of the new forest residential property is actually a lot higher value than than a guest house or or, or a bed and breakfast. You know, a, a C three planning use could immediately have added hundred k to the value um, straight off the bat. And um, I think of the uh, this is where it's really important to understand the seller's situation and the journey that they've been through. Uh, you know, in terms of trying to sell the property. And you know, we were able to evidence the fact that you know some of the obstacles that had been in place for previous buyers. Um, didn't apply to our model and therefore you know this was their possibly their first serious propos proposition of actually getting this sold so that they could move on and so they were happy to give us the commitment that if that planning application was successful that they would continue and they were true to their word and they did and it was <laughs> and so that was a sort of a nice like side benefit that that kind of I think we, we probably added about 100k to the value before we even picked up the keys um, which which is always good um, but it's 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 fascinating so you know as you know jerry like planning is no there's no hard and fast rules and we had the opposite challenge in a way in the new forest being a designated national park than we have elsewhere so usually if we're trying to turn what in england is c3 uh, i don't know what the planning use is for residential in scotland it's got a number on it isn't it i think um to turn a residential property into a commercial property like service accommodation quite often meets some resistance from a planning perspective because they don't want to see uh housing stock lost to holiday lets or, or service accommodation or whatever it might be in this case we had the opposite challenge well we didn't i guess the people putting in that application did um in the sense that it's a lot harder to Basically, the National Park uh, recognises the fact that it is dependent on tourism. And what they've seen over the last few years is a number of these medium sized guest houses and um, uh, and bed and breakfast, which are being run out of, I don't know, you know, large period homes, if you like, are being converted into uh, residential dwellings and um, in particular second homes. Yep. So they're not being used really you know which is a, a bit of a bugbear because uh, they're not bringing they're not adding any value to the industry to the to the tourism etc um so so yeah it's actually quite difficult to to turn things out of commercial planning use in hospitality within the national park so the fact that we've got that planning designation but also we continue to operate in a way that does bring tourism to the area you know we've already even before we've launched we've managed to strike up some great relationships with some local businesses there's a pub across the road who are going to do a deal for our guests on breakfast we've spoken to some of the local restaurants about them being part of almost like a loyalty scheme for our guests etc um so we're, we're really enjoying that side of, of actually embedding what we're doing into the community as well that's great. So basically, it, it's still under the umbrella of service department, service accommodation, but actually a completely different strategy within yeah, that. It's essentially furnished holiday let in a sense that, that, that if you're looking at it from a lending point of view, that's how the lenders would view it. It's, it's a furnished holiday let. 
in effect. Yeah. Um, so again, C three. So residential planning use is uh, you know is currently appropriate for if you're going to rent out a property as a holiday let as a whole property. Yes. Um, obviously, if you're going to start to rent by the room, then that's when it starts to cross over into guest house and hotel territory. Yeah, and and that's where I, I don't know what your viewpoint is, but certainly in Scotland, the the legislation changes that are going on up here and yeah. licensing and everything else yeah. um, is really around that strategy of taking a residential home. But if you're taking a guest house that already has planning permission for that use, exactly, it's a slightly different proposition, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So that the scale. It's interesting. The scale that you've gone to with the Madison takes you um, into into that commercial world, whereas yeah. the 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 whole the luxury holiday let is slightly different, isn't it? Yeah, and 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 it's interesting. You mentioned about the sort of the regulation that that, that is coming into the industry. Um, certainly, sort of Scotland leading leading away on that, and um, England just. Uh, sitting back and watching with interest at the moment but but inevitably increased regulation within certain areas is going to come into that and on one hand i'm sure you're the same you know we've we've operated quite significantly within the hmo space previously and you know regulation of that the licensing scheme i've always welcomed the professionalization and, and the regulation of our industry and, and if anything i think that creates more opportunities than challenges if you're a, a professional operator with respect to little haze which is the, with the project we're talking about i think tourism is very much uh, protected within the national forest so i'm not too concerned about any overly arduous restrictions being placed on that side of the industry but even with that in mind we're still future proofing to make sure that for, it's it's just tiny insignificant details but we're leaving locks on bedroom doors we've got a fire alarm set up that is massively overkill for a holiday let um, but is perfectly suitable full panel alarm system if we wanted to revert to a guest house usage um so we, we you know we are, we have sort of kept in place some safeguards that if for any reason we needed to revert back to a previous planning use then we'd be able to do that yeah okay that's great thank you mark um there was one last project i wanted to quickly yeah. touch on because true true to your <laughs> true to yourself <laughs> we have another that we can't quite talk about right now maybe we'll yeah. review in a little bit yeah but, yeah yeah but tantalizing there's another project on the horizon isn't there and, and maybe you could just talk through how that one came about yeah i have to be a bit cagey again but um <laughs> but no it's a really exciting one and i think it's a great example of uh talking to people it's a great example of the power of networking so this actually came out of an opportunity of um uh, coming to one of your events, Jerry, and and actually networking within the group, and yeah, we, we we've got an opportunity on the table which allows us to apply our model of a hospitality space, generating uh, an income from that, and then leveraging that for a commercial value, while so solving some some quite specific pain points for for the seller, for example. So, it, you know, the, the 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 broad structure of the deal. This is a this is a hotel project that we will initially lease, um, uh, having pre agreed a purchase price. We we'll, we will initially lease the property, and at the end of that lease period, we will obviously have generated the or we hope we will have generated uh the, a, a decent track record of income yeah, trading history. um a trading history for the business which doesn't currently exist it's been closed for some time now and at the end of that we will be able to we've effectively skipped a step so we will be able to purchase the property using a com the commercial value having operated it for 12 months or so yeah so you know that's it, it, it's it's a great example of of, of a win-win that comes out of just talking to people and, and 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 understanding how you can potentially work with each other to solve some some particular pain points so so yeah that that could be really exciting so um so maybe we'll have to jump back on and yeah, report back on that one once it's uh, a little bit more concrete and confirmed it just shows you've got to be in the room don't you you've exactly got to be in the room you just never know what you're going to miss yeah absolutely Excellent. Okay. Uh, just a couple of things to finish off because looking further forward, the market right now is obviously becoming increasingly difficult to predict. The government are certainly difficult to predict un other than they are completely unpredictable. Yeah. Um, the one that could affect both of us with our strategies is utilities. 
yeah. um, and the increases in, in costs. And, and I'm sure you've, like us, you've got commercial rates there that are booked in for a certain period of time. But at some point, those will come to an end, just as fixed rates on interest, et cetera, et cetera, is going to, you know, at some point they run out. Yeah. What's your what's your thoughts on mitigating any challenges or what's your thoughts on the energy costs? Yeah, and we're, we're feeling the heat, excuse the pun. Um, we're, we're feeling the heat on that um, already to a certain extent because uh, we were actually coming out of a few fixed periods on some of our multi-unit blocks. So we're, we're, we've been in the thick of trying to, you know, do, do you lock in, do you not lock in? You know, is this a temporary blip where I don't want to lock at these rates if it's going to pull back yeah. and, and what have you? So that's that's been a, a, an interesting uh, decision making process, which actually we've had to make almost property by property, really. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's difficult. I don't you know, it's obviously unprecedented to a degree. I don't know if anybody has an answer to that. Obviously, it's it's a, it's an important topic for our strategies because we are all bills included and there's no way for us to be anything other than all bills included you know that is a central cost to our business um i guess the um so we, we so there are two areas that we're really focusing on in our service accommodation and the hotels one is our ability to be energy efficient and ability yeah. to regulate and and you have to be careful with the word control when it comes to guests because you're not allowed to deprive them of all control of their heating, but how we can sort of regulate the way that, that heat and, and, and energy is used within the property. So um, I'm a big fan of uh, systems and technology, as you know. So, um, you know, we've got various products and systems in, in different size units that allow us some degree of landlord control. I guess of um, of 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 the heating in particular, um, and how much um, flexibility the guest has to just whack on the heating and open all the windows, which, yeah. as we know, uh, does 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 sometimes happen. Um, so we have to look very closely at our systems. There, the other thing I guess that sets service accommodation apart from some other strategies is our ability to be quite agile when it comes to our pricing you know because although the unfortunate reality of some of this this situation is that rents are going to go up across the board um yeah. you know that's just the unfortunate reality of that um there, there's a limit to how much a landlord in uh, even some commercial stuff but but certainly within resi is able to just you can't just double the rent and price yourself out the market um whereas obviously our our prices are monitored pretty much daily um and again we, we also have to make sure that we stay competitive but it's a little bit easier for us to be agile and to start to you know creep up prices if we need yeah, to you can do those in, rather than making a huge change you can incrementally yeah, do those increases exactly. whilst keeping an eye on the competition you have to you're going to have to do the similar thing yeah, it's the exactly. same for us with the licenses yeah our licenses can be up to 12 months yeah um, but that cycle allows you to review um, on a regular basis yesterday in fact we just had our, our latest review meeting for the next ones that are coming up at the end of december because we work on a three-month notice period yeah. and it just gives you that little bit of flexibility it is it is i mean you know you could be the best economist in the world but it's still really difficult to see what's happening but the gas prices and you know the, the wholesale gas price is certainly way off where the peak was but of course that you know the way the markets work that's going to take a while to feed through and then of course the question is you know is it going to feed through are they going to go back up i mean they have gone yeah. back up a little bit so it's difficult to work out where that's going to be so all we can do as you say is keep a, as close an eye on it and try and mitigate it on property by property that's something that we've been um, consciously doing and, and if you've got that energy efficiency stuff that you're looking at it's just priority in which building priority right this one this one's going to come up in uh, six months time that's when the renewal is going to be right we've got six month window on this one let's let's yeah. make sure we improve it as much as possible and there are it is there's a kind of that combination of it certainly for our industry that combination of making those environmental changes so that actually you attract more customers because ultimately the customer is going to have more demand for that you know more energy efficient buildings etc so there, there's certainly a drive both from both you know both from mm -hmm. cost point of view so increasingly from a customer request point of view of what is it you what's your credentials what's your environmental credentials here you know um, and 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 stress testing new deals 
you yeah, know, sure. and, and, and make sure you understand what's going on in the market so that you're able to stress test realistically. So for for the project we've just spoke, well, the couple of projects we've just spoken about, you know, we are we're putting in some pretty well, I hope they're cynical projections. I really hope that they are. Um, but we're stress testing pretty heavily on things like that to make sure that, you know, we you know, we we're not getting into a deal where where there's not enough skin on the bones and, and if things shift by a small percentage then you know we're in a little bit of hot water so um i think stress it and, and it's interesting you talk about like within service accommodation there's even potentially a um uh, a slightly uh, an interesting opportunity i guess that that might arise from it in um in people not being able to afford uh their heating and, and energy bills at home um and actually so suddenly sort of all bills included accommodation um is uh is, a, is an interesting proposition i've seen uh, certainly around here i don't know if you've seen this some pubs are offering almost like a pad like come and use our heating um and uh you know we'll, we'll, you can have a, a laptop space or whatever and they're almost like turning that is great innovative thinking turning the fact that yes we're liable for those expenses so we may as well charge them out to people indirectly by turning that into an opportunity and i, I love seeing that the, the, how adaptable the business world is to things like that yeah if you if you've got a unit whether it's a pub um, whether it's a business lounge reception area at the end of the day they these spaces will still be consuming the same amount of power and energy yeah. because they are open plan space the yeah. lights need to yeah. be on the heating needs to be on whether it's occupied by two people or whether it's occupied by 20 so yeah you might as well lean into it we, we've certainly been tweaking our marketing and, and trying to create more demand on our shared spaces and mm -hmm. interestingly our numbers on day passes which is somebody basically finding us on the internet booking up yeah. to come in to use our, our office space for a day um, those yeah. are, are increasing um, yeah and as you said earlier on automation using technology to help you do that means it can be quite surprising you turn up there's three new people come in because yeah. they've gone online and gone through the automated process to get in there but that that is definitely one part of the strategy to combat the energy price is, is to say, right, well, let's lean into it and promote the fact that you are going to have an all-inclusive bill. And of course, for us, we have to price that in, like you say. So looking yeah. forward, pricing in new buildings, you can do that. It's just where you've got legacy properties is trying to mitigate the, the challenges as much as possible. And being all bills included within our within our industry, like, you know, clearly if you book an Airbnb property, you're not expecting to get an electricity bill. It's kind yeah. of always been a given. Having said that, it's become enough of an um, it's become enough of an advantage, if you like, to become a selling point. As in, you know, we've done the same with our marketing. We're really trying to stress now that people understand that, you know, oh, oh, you know, oh, is that the, the best price you can do on on this day? Well, yes, but don't forget this includes all of your bills, and it, and it and it's worth actually just mentioning that because you know people if they're if they're going away for a week for work, they can turn the heating off at home save themselves a fair chunk of money whilst paying for your accommodation and so it becomes a selling point in itself you know something that was previously just assumed is now actually worthy of note as it were yeah. brilliant okay right mark we're gonna need to wrap up it's cool. been super to catch up on that project on, yeah. the, on the madison but also to hear about because <laughs> you never stand still the luxury <laughs> the holiday let and this potential other project I keep, which... I keep threatening to stand still but it never yeah. seems to happen yeah that's right last time we spoke you did say that um yeah. <laughs> and there's, but there's one last bit that i want to talk about um, yeah. briefly is just you recently um got to podcast 100 in your own podcast series so maybe yeah. you just quickly talk to us about that yeah so so i host a podcast called this property life um it still seems amazing to me that we've we've hit 100 episodes it only seems like we've been going a short while but um no the essential premise behind the podcast is that we speak to ordinary people for want of a better term who are doing pretty extraordinary things in property and it, and it, it, it varies from people who um uh, who are just starting out um, and will give a lot of inspiration to 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 people who are uh, you know trying to get the first rung on the ladder to people that have you know scaled and are doing some quite some really quite impressive stuff but you know we we don't we're not going for sort of um, having gurus on the podcast and all this side of things very much normal people giving their own sort of inspirational stories and um, I you know I I 
is we had a chat didn't we before we started recording that um i don't to say i don't pay attention to the stats on the podcast is an understatement and sometimes it's uh it almost it's an it's a rewarding surprise but it's a nice surprise when when i'm talking to someone they say oh, I, I really listen to the podcast because when i when i record that i almost uh, i almost forget <laughs> that anyone's actually listening and it's just a great a great chance for me to speak to people and find out what they've been doing and and also we have a great panel i know jerry you've 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 been generous with your time and come on a few times and you know we talk about the latest stuff that's going on in the market as well but um but yeah, it's um, I've loved doing it, and it seems to be pretty well received. So um, yeah, hundred episodes as of last week, I think. Yeah, so, it's yeah. a great, it's a great, a great um, breadth of topics that you cover. Yeah, but all with private investors. That's that's yes. the important piece. It's all yeah. about private investors, and yeah. whether they do residential service accommodation, um, serviced offices, whatever it is, it, it's really um, a great network you've got there. So yeah. congratulations on your hundredth episode. Thank you. Well done. Brilliant. <laughs> okay, thanks, Mark. We'll um hopefully catch up again when yeah. when we hear this project is yeah. going on, right? <laughs> we'll done it. We'll do another recap. So hopefully you get that across the line. And um I'm hoping that'll be a nice story to tell at the end of it as well. We'll also be able to give you more of an update on uh the Madison having run the full calendar cycle. So we, we have a little bit more concrete information on that as well. Sure, brilliant. Right. Thank cool. you, Mark. Thanks for being part of the network. Thanks, um, Terry. We look forward to catching up again very soon all right awesome wow some fantastic numbers there mark thanks for sharing that mark makes a regular appearance in the cpi network which is another fantastic reason to be part of this growing group of budding and experienced commercial investors one final thing one of our members just yesterday secured a great multi-let development opportunity with some good cash flow from day one it was his first commercial deal and when quizzed about how it came back his comment was simply you just need to get in the swim. Catch you next time. Hi there. I hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be your first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.